Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business Show. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business. And let's face it, like it or not, <laughs> what offices from mayor all the way up to the president have uh, huge impacts on our business and on our lives. And, and it's interesting that offices like mayor in, in particular probably have among the most profound impact on our daily living. It's very interesting when you think about it. It, it. It's really kind of one of those rubber meets the road type offices. And so um, we're, I, I've really enjoyed uh, talking to our guest this segment, uh, Lee Kaplan. He's a regular on the program. We talk all ranges of government from local to federal and even international issues. Uh, but uh, recently he became a candidate for mayor of Houston himself. And uh, very interesting to talk to him about the office and about uh, his aspirations and what really led him to running. Uh, Lee, as always, glad to have you on the program. A little bit of background, because, you know, we always have new listeners, new people tuning in. A little bit about your background and plus how people can get uh, and what made you want to run and where people can get more information. Sure. Well, uh, I grew up in Houston, graduated from the public schools, got a partial scholarship to Princeton for winning a chemistry contest, although chemistry was not exactly my best subject. But um, along the way, I was an Eagle Scout. I went to a large law firm, Baker and & Boston, made partner. I then struck out uh, on my own with two friends who were like-minded. We formed a boutique firm, three guys and a secretary, and now we're 28 lawyers, 50 people total. And we try all kinds of lawsuits, civil lawsuits as well as white-collar criminal matters. And we do investigations on occasion at uh, the request of people who have some internal issue. But um, what really made me want to run for mayor is, over time, I've seen that the city, which used to be a complete beacon for everybody to come to Houston, has lost some of its luster. And it's lost some of its luster because we're just not doing the basic important things, providing enough police, repairing the streets, um, having permit uh, permits that are issued timely so you can put up a house or our building, and uh, just generally um, making sure that the city runs so that people are not aggravated by the, the small things in life. I mean, who wants to turn out of their driveway and find a pothole down the street or a huge water leak or boil water notice? If we don't do the basic things, Houston is not a beacon, and it won't draw people. And that's the best way to draw people is being known as a big city with all the amenities, not least of which is the Astros, as well as something that works so that you can get to work, so that you can get telephone service timely so that you can feel safe in your home and not feel that you need an AR-15 to protect yourself. These are, are basic things about city living, and I feel that we sometimes have lost sight of that. So I'm running, and uh, people seem to react very positively to that message when I call them and ask them what they care about. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, when I when I hear you talk, uh, there was a time when when Rudy Giuliani was was normal. Um, 
<laughs> that's kind of ugly talk, but but something has happened over the years. When he was mayor of you know of uh, New York, uh, he ran on what he called um, uh, you know a, a a living agenda, a life agenda, a lifestyle agenda that to really focus major in the minors in order to make all things better. And uh, you know we can say whatever we want about him today. But he transformed New York in many, many positive ways with that uh, focus on little things that have a profound impact on quality of life. And we can get into, of course, his racial profiling and some of the other things. We like to paint with a broad brush, especially now. He's not like an evil character uh, in the media narrative. But uh, when you talk, it, it sounds like that's what you want to get back to, get back to the stuff of rubber meets the road and daily living and the fourth largest city in the United States. Well, that's right. And if we get used to streets that are in disrepair, police who never come, uh, flooding, if we get used to that, then Houston will decline and we'll go the way of some of the other failed cities. And we can't allow that. It's too important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, talk a little bit, you know, that's one of your big themes. That's the one thing. If there's one recurring theme I've heard since, since you announced, it is uh, crime. Crime is, is uh, I won't say it's number one with you, but it's certainly among the top issues that you're focusing on. Um, and I, I see some startling numbers. I think a lot of it is hyperbole around Houston. But nonetheless, it, it's disturbing a lot of what I'm reading about about Houston, particularly the number of people, uh, the number of police officers per number of people per capita wise. Um, That's right. It's pretty shocking numbers. We have half as many officers per capita as Chicago and New York. And when the mayor, current mayor, who's term limited, first took office, uh, the taxpayers paid $750,000 plus for a study on how to make the city more efficient and use the money wisely. And one of the many recommendations was civilianize more police functions so that we get more officers out of the offices and on the street. Because uh, even the amateur sociologist recognizes that police patrols and visibility deter crime. And we have failed in that. We have not had an increase in the number of officers in at least 20 years, and the city is now 650 square miles, and it's many more people than it used to be. So that's a recommendation that's never been followed, uh, except in a very limited way. And there may have been a reason for that, but we have to take that action. Of course, we need more cadet classes, but being a city police officer must be a job that garners respect, and that comes from the top. It's not enough to just go to the hospital every time an officer is wounded or killed. Um, it means more to recognize the officers every day, and that's true of all public safety people, uh, police officers, firefighters, uh, mental health professionals who help the police and the firefighters avoid confrontations and dangerous confrontations. The mayor has to be there, and, and the message that the mayor sends out is a compelling one. Of course, of course it helps if the media covers those things, and we're now in a one-newspaper town, which is unfortunate. It's not really a one-newspaper town, but 
there's one prominent newspaper and another a number of neighborhood newspapers. But the mayor has to be seen and heard to make an impact. And that's one of the things that I expect I will do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so obviously crime is huge. Crime is uh, something that, uh, you know, frankly, it reminds me a lot like uh, when I first came to Houston. I got to Houston in 1990, and uh, it was just really beginning to get better after a very tough decade of the 1980s, which included a lot of crime, which crime was ubiquitous in major cities around the country. Houston not unique, although it was having other problems thanks to energy as well. Um, but but there was still a lot of angst uh, for Houstonians in 1990. That uh, I, I I think we're seeing a lot more of that in my what 90s and now 30 years of living here. I'm seeing a lot more of that attitude uh, pervasive uh, in the citizen, citizens here. So uh, this is something that uh, should be job one. But you have other issues that are are top of mind. Mention those as well. Well, there's drainage. Uh, we voted for a drainage fee, but the way the referendum was worded allowed a little too much running room to just do temporary fixes such as potholes as opposed to actually going under the streets, repairing the drainage, and then resurfacing the street, which is a long-term solution, not a short-term one. And because we haven't done that, we've had more water leaks. And, and boil water notices, which obviously hurt people, mostly the single family, uh, the single parent homes, where somebody has to make a choice between staying home with their children if schools are closed because of the boil water notice and losing a day's pay, and in this case it was two days, or going to work and leaving your children unattended where you've got the 11-year-old looking after the 4-year-old. That's, that's untenable. Um, yeah. These are the kind of things that simply require attention because we don't have a whole lot of money to throw at problems. We need people who are committed. And one thing you do with a mayor is you hire a mayor, and the mayor hires department heads. And department heads have to be committed and competent. And we have gotten away from that a little bit in the last few years, and we need to get back to it to the days of previous mayors who really paid attention to who the department heads were, and if they didn't work out, eased them out and got somebody new. Loyalty is great, uh, but loyalty to a subordinate who's not performing is a detriment to our city. Mm-hmm. Loyalty to voters before loyalty to friends. Right. We need results. We always need results, and in and, and times like these, people are particularly unforgiving when a pothole is reported and uh, doesn't get fixed, or a water leak is reported and doesn't get fixed, or when the police are called and they don't come within, you know, half an hour. Even placing police substations all around this huge city has not solved the problem because we do not have enough officers. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can speak personally from... Police officers I've known, you've told me about the uh, the, the uh, number of officers in certain regions, uh, often literally a handful of cars in regions of, of the area from 610 to the Beltway West from 59 to uh, 290. We're, we're talking often, at, at depending on time of day, uh, 
less than two dozen uh, vehicles. That to me yeah, is well, it's a, Yeah, it's a citywide problem. It's, yep. And and who suffers the most from crime? It's really not rich people. They have insurance coverage. They have neighborhood patrols. They have alarm systems. People without those amenities are the ones who suffer the most from crime. And that's why it's important for us to have enough officers to do community policing, which is a concept that Lee Brown pioneered. Lee Brown is a little bit of a prophet without honor in his own country. He deserves more credit for what he did in terms of crime. First, he repaired the police department, which was a bunch of people who were prone to violence and uh, uh, allowed Jose Campos Torres to be thrown in the bio and drowned. And second, as mayor, he brought in the concept of community policing. And in both times, he had to fight against an entrenched system and people who didn't really believe in it. But he was right. He deserves credit for that. And we need enough officers to make community policing more of a reality. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, him being a, a police officer himself, former police chief, uh, he brought a lot of wisdom to that office, and he was not afraid to apply it, regardless of how politically unpopular it was at times. And uh, yeah, I, I concur with that, and that uh, we do need a different attitude. And this is really this is this the fundamental at the heart of the basics. As we wrap it up, feel free with your final thoughts and plus your website. Well, my website is kaplanforhoustonmayor.com. It talks about my biography. It has one. And it talks about the issues that I think are important. And there's a short video. I think the important thing is for Houstonians to realize that there are multiple issues. Being mayor is a hard job, and it requires somebody to pay attention, but mainly to pay attention to hiring the right people to deal with the issues. The mayor can't solve all these problems. The mayor can address them with the right hires and by being candid with the voting populace because candor seems to be the first casualty among politicians. Mm -hmm. How many politicians ever say, I made a mistake? The last time I remember is Clinton said, I raised your taxes too much. He was actually wrong. He probably didn't, but... But that's the last time I heard a politician say, I thought X, but I learned why I was wrong. And Mm -hmm. uh, that's an important quality that too few of them have. Uh, An ego big enough to have some humility. That may sound contradictory, but it's, it's actually the truth. If you have a strong ego, you can admit when you're wrong. Yeah, you have a healthy ego, absolutely. By the way, uh, you know, and frankly, uh, Biden's nothing like Trump in this department, but he seems he seems pretty allergic to ownership of mistakes, in my opinion. Trump Trump has made it a a sacred virtue to never own any mistakes. It's unbelievable to watch, and uh, we definitely do. We it, it's it's always been few and far between throughout history. Uh, you know, uh, but I look back at John F. Kennedy uh, talking about his implementation of Bay of Pigs, even though the plan was created by Eisenhower. He owned it. Eisenhower wasn't here. My team implemented it, and it didn't go the way it was supposed to. And so, uh, boy, I mean, I look at that. Talk about profiles of courage. Good luck finding that kind of candidate today. I couldn't agree with you more. Lee Kaplan, make sure you check out his website. As always, love talking to you. You're listening to the Nationally Syndicated 
Price of Business radio show. 